All right. Every good? It's 16 days till Christmas. Ah, all right. Uh, I, I, that brings up a lot of stuff to me. Uh, I, I, I don't know how your week went. Mine was horrible. Merry Christmas. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, like I got home from church last week and my wife wasn't feeling good. So we went to the doctor and she has pneumonia. And, and so she's been coughing all week and I have not had sleep. And so pray for me. And uh, <laughs> hi, babe. She's watching online right now. Hi. Uh, uh, so, but, but it got better. It got better. Um, uh, uh, especially as it got closer and closer to this weekend. I'm so excited about this weekend, what I get to talk to you about, especially the last part. Like the, it's the application part. I want to skip the teaching part and just get to the application part, but that'd be kind of weird to do that. But, but the best part of today is like the last four minutes. And so if you, if your neighbor falls asleep, wake them up for the last four minutes because it, it's absolutely worth it. But, but I, I think that today is going to be one of those moments in the life of the church that's going to change us. I really do. Everyone so I'll talk about that later, but um, so we're, we're doing this, this, this Christmas series called, called Who Does That? And, and again, I want to skip over the teaching part, but the part I want to teach you about, um, I hope it's everything Jesus is going to teach us today kind of leads up to what I hope that we do together as a church, individually and then as a church across, uh, across the whole world, right? So, so super quick, if you haven't been here, the goal of this Who Does That? series, it, and the goal of the series, really the goal of life is... is um, uh, really, my goal of our life is this, is that here's Jesus and I don't know him very well, but I want to get to know him better because maybe I've got some weird versions of him floating around in my head. And so uh, the more I get to know him, I want to know how he thinks, what he thinks about that and how he believes about that. And when he sees that, how does he kind of define that? And as I get to know him, just like any other friend, I'm going to take a look at my own ideas and my own thoughts and my own definitions. And when you say that, I think of this, whatever. And then I'm going to compare him to Jesus. And if it's different, hopefully um, I'm, I'm going to start thinking like him. And if I, if I think like him, then I'll begin to like see like him, all right? And, and then maybe, here's the goal, is that when I see something going on in my life, because I'm thinking different and seeing it different, maybe um, I'll, I'll, I'll do something different. Like, uh, because something inside of me has changed, because whenever you hang out with somebody, they kind of rub off on you. And so, so when I look at something going on in my life, and over the last several weeks, we've looked at some really tough circumstances of our life, but when I look at that one, hopefully um, something better is gonna come out of me as opposed to what normally comes out of me, it's gonna look kinda like what would come out of Jesus. Again, not because I'm trying to be good. You know, we all have this, we're strong enough people that we can muster or manufacture, I'm not gonna get mad this time, I'm not gonna say it this time, and, and we, can, we can pull that off for a few weeks or months, but after a while, if nothing changes on the inside, then boom, yeah, here, here it comes. And so, so when, when something, I'm gonna think different, this is what I gotta remember, and I wanna see different so that something comes out of me, and I'm gonna go, all right, so, what needs to happen? I know what I usually do, but what needs to happen and who does that? And the answer is, well, Jesus does that. But the goal is, so do I, finally. I don't do it perfectly. I got one under my belt this week, all right? But I usually do this, but this one time, because I was looking at it different and thinking about it different, something else came out of me, all right? And so, so we've been looking at some teachings from Jesus that honestly, um, you're going you're gonna to hear this, especially if you weren't here last week, you're going to go, I don't see what that has to do with Christmas, all right? And you're right, <laughs> right? The, 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 the verses we're going to look at today, you can say, well, that didn't have anything to do with Christmas. But, but these, what we're going to look at today has everything to do with the kind of God that we have who would actually send Jesus to us in Bethlehem and then over the next several years do what he did uh, in, in, the, in the cross and the resurrection. What kind of God does that? And so last week we looked at, and if you weren't here or you missed it, get online, because last week we looked at, for me, some of the toughest teachings from Jesus 
for me to embrace. I mean, we all have some verses. We all have some parts of the Bible, some stuff Jesus has said, where honestly we read it or we hear it and we go, I wish he hadn't said that. I don't like that. I mean, just rip that page out, right? All right, so, so we, we, we try to pretend like, and here's why we don't like it. It's because we don't understand it. Like, what do you really mean there, Jesus? And how could that really, if I did that, who does that, you, if I did that, um, how would that realistically play out in my life, in my school, at where I work, in my marriage, with my parents, whatever that is? So here's the one we looked at last week. And, and again, if I got a vote, I'd say, Jesus, don't say that, but I don't get a vote. Um, remember this? And maybe you weren't here, but, but you've heard this before. It goes like this. If, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek as well. Ah, I hate that. All right? All right and, and here's, we spent most of our time talking about what it doesn't mean. Because it's one of the most, like, worst taught passages in the, in the, that I can find in the Bible. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean don't protect yourself. Or don't protect those who, are, who God has entrusted you to, to, to take care of and, and protect. And it doesn't mean this. In all times, in all circumstances, in all situations, no matter what's happening to you, you be passive. Follow Jesus and become a wuss. That's no. No, I, that, that's, that's, that's dumb, all right? So, and I don't think Jesus tells us to do dumb stuff. So, so what, what does it mean? Well, how about this? Jesus asked us this question last week. So what kind of person, and let's stop right there, because we're trying to figure out what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? I want to be a good person. I want, I want to live a good life. And Jesus goes, well, how about this? So what kind of person would you be if your first response wasn't to immediately, like without thinking, just hit back every time you get hit? You know, I don't even think about it. You insult me, I just, I have one on, ready to go. Uh, you cause me pain, I want you to hurt. You do evil to me, I've got a whole thing of evil I'm ready to throw back at you. What, what, what kind of person would you be if you, if you were able to say, whoa, whoa, that's not what I, my first response is anymore. What kind of person would you be? And here's where we land is, you would be the kind of person who started to actually agree that what Jesus says about you is true. So that when somebody assaults you or attacks you or insults you, um, you it's not true. That, that's okay, say what you need to say, but you know what, my identity is no longer at stake. And so what you're insulting me and what you're lashing out at me, that's about you, not me, so bring it on. My identity is very, very secure. I know who I am. I am who he says I am. And you'd be, you'd be the kind of person, and I'm, this is why I'm, I'm really going for this, is um, you're the kind of person who's able to can, like, see something going on and then um, step back and go, okay, I gotta think about this different. I know I've always thought about this in the past. I'm gonna think about it different. I'm gonna look at it different. I'm gonna see it different and then maybe respond um, better in a better way that kind of goes beyond the surface of what it looks like is going on there. It kind of gets to the heart of the matter about what's really going on. I wanna be that kind of man. It just seems like if we all were running after that, that this would be a better better way to live, all right? So, so today, Jesus is gonna ask the same kind of question, um, who does that, or what kind of person does that? And these verses are almost as fun as last week. All right, so, okay, so, so here we are in Matthew chapter five, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't have anything to do with Christmas, but has everything to do with the kind of God that we have, all right? So Matthew chapter five, here we go. This is Jesus talking, he says, if, so, if someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, Give him your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And that's a reference. The Romans had invaded the country and there was a law that says, if a soldier says, carry my stuff, you are required to go a mile. And Jesus goes, you know that invading army? Go the second mile. 
Awesome, Lord. All right, so get, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus lists off three situations where another person, and we were all gonna face this this week sometime, one version of it, all right? Three situations where a person does something to you that honestly, it, it's an imposition, right? It, uh, it's gonna cost you something. Someone's gonna sue you to get something from you. Someone's gonna force, something to, force you to do something, whether you wanna do it or not, and somebody wants you to give them something. And right or wrong, fair or unfair, you're gonna have to respond some way. And what kind of person do I wanna be? And here's really, really important, all right? Just like last week, Jesus is not passing out rules about what you have to do in all cases, in all circumstances, in all situations, no matter what's happening, this is what you have to do. And, and he's, not, he's not saying, um, you know, uh, you know just, 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 just obey the law and you're a good person. He's asking this. I'm, I'm saying this over and over and over because I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead to all the arguments that are gonna come up in our head in about 10 minutes, all right? He's asking, when you see something going on, and you find yourself in a situation, you go, it's not good. It doesn't feel good. I don't like this. And you say you want to be a good person and you want to live a good life. So as you look at that and think about it different, is there anything different or, here's the word, could you do something good? You want to be a good person, you want to live a good life, and good is like, kind of like, you know, like what would God do here and who does that? All right. Is there anything you could do that's good or different, that's different than what you've done in the past so that maybe the outcome is maybe better than it's been in the past. So if, if, if you fell asleep or something like that, here's the three kind of filters we're gonna go through, all right? Uh, so something's going on, and you gotta stop yourself and, and, and do this, all right? First of all, you gotta think different, rethink everything, right? You gotta see it different, you gotta maybe look at what's really going on, and then do something, something better. Who does that? Well, Jesus does that. But I want the answer to be me, all right? So we're gonna unpack this. All right, Matthew chapter five, Verse 40, <laughs> if someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give to him your coat as well. So we're just gonna look at this one. We're not even gonna get to the other two, all right? Because <clears throat> I wanna get to the application, all right? But um, the truth that we're gonna unpack in this applies to the other two so you can work it out later this week, all right? So here's what's going on, all right? Somebody has decided to hire a lawyer and sue you and take you to court over something that in this case, it seems kind of minor, all right? I'm gonna take you to court and sue you to get your shirt. Who does that? Why, why, why would anybody ever, ever sue another person to get their shirt? And so I sat in my office this week, week this is what you pay me to do, and I thought of possible situations where a person would go, hey, we're going to court because I want that shirt, all right? So, so here are the things that come to mind about why somebody would sue somebody for their shirt. Now, but I, th I think, and I might be wrong here, so you don't have to believe me on this, but I think shirt means more than shirt. I, I may be wrong, all right? But every time, how about shirt? How about shirt being a metaphor for a basic staple or need for normal life? So anytime Jesus says shirt or I say shirt, um, think basic part of life that it's just normal to have. I mean, everybody has a shirt. That's true, Jim. I know, I studied this week, all right? Uh, everybody needs a shirt. It's cold outside, everybody needs a shirt. So why? Why are they suing you and trying to take your shirt from you? And here's what I've come up with. Let's see if, if you can come up with another one. Let me know, all right? First of all, um, because they're a really horrible person who wants all the shirts for themselves, including yours. Maybe. They're just a criminal going, I, I want all the shirts of the world. Give me your shirt. I'll sue you. No, right? So I don't think that's what it is. 
but maybe. All right, so let's get, here's the other one I came up with, all right? <laughs> you took their shirt and they want it back. That now makes you the bad guy, all right, all right? Um, so, hey, dude, that's my shirt. It's totally my shirt now, right? Oh, I need my shirt, I'm cold. Nope, sorry, sue me. All right. So maybe that's the case. You took their shirt, it's their shirt, give it back. No, you're a bad person. All right, so here's the other one. Um, how about, the, and this one I think it is. They don't have a shirt and they need a shirt. I think that this is the closest one I can come up with, right? They don't have a shirt and they need a shirt. And maybe they feel like, you know, I've tried to get a shirt, I need a shirt, my kid needs a shirt, it's cold outside, and I've tried everything I can to get a shirt. I'm not really talking about shirts, right, right? But I've run out of options, and then they look at you and go, you have a closet full of shirts. Can I have one? Nope. No, all right? And, and, and so they say, well, I'm gonna do what I have to do to, 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 get, to get a shirt. Now, time out, okay. I know what's going on in your heads right now. So, um, last week we talked about this, is that sometimes we hear Jesus say something and, and it feels really like, I don't know if that's realistic, Jesus, and I don't know if I wanna do that. Uh, and then we start making up stories in our heads about what Jesus might mean, right? Like last week we looked at this, when he says, hey, if someone smacks you, turn the other cheek. And here's what we do. So Lord, are you saying, and we go way out there, if someone breaks in my house and starts stealing my stuff and beating up my family, I'm supposed to stand over the corner and go, bless you, pray for you, you know? Turn the other, no. That would be stupid. Write that down. Jesus thinks that would be stupid too. All right, so now, I don't think Jesus tells us to do stupid stuff, all right? So, so, um, so what story do you make up in your head when you hear Jesus say, hey, um, they need a shirt, give them your shirt and give them your coat? So I know I can see the looks on your face when you're going, uh, where are you going with this, Pastor Jim? All right, all right, here's what comes up in mine. Why should I give him my shirt? That is my shirt. Um, I worked hard for my shirt. It is not my responsibility to give shirts to everybody in the world. And why did that bad person have a shirt, you know? But here's what, they're probably just too lazy to go out and do what all the rest of us have. Go get a job and then buy a shirt like the rest of the world has to do that. And by the way, if I just start giving shirts away, it just feeds the problem. This is the problem with America right now and our welfare system and forced me to give my shirts away to someone who doesn't have one. That, well, that's just socialism and wealth distribution. And, and you know, I, I, and be honest, let's be honest, all right? If I gave my shirt, they'd probably just sell it and buy drugs with it. <laughs> Wouldn't even say thank you, all right? We've all said something like that. I, ha I, I have anyway, right? And you know what? You might be right, right? So maybe the whole takeaway for this weekend, this Christmas weekend, would be this. The teaching from Jesus is, screw the shirtless world. Right? And don't give anybody anything until some liberal law comes out and forces you to do something you don't want to do. Let's close with prayer, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what, I, no, I don't think. See, Jesus has been teaching that a good person who wants to experience a good life, we, we have to think different, rethink everything, and then look at stuff different and see things different. See them like Jesus sees them, like, like the bigger picture and what might really be going on and what's really at stake depending on what comes out of us in response, that response in the past, we want it to be better, right? All right, so in the case of the shirt, all right, what, what do you think Jesus might be trying to teach us? They, you have a shirt, they don't have a shirt. Well, well, again, just like turn the other cheek last week, Jesus is not passing out a rule that in all circumstances, in all situations, no matter what's happening, you have to do that or you don't go to heaven or something like that. That's not true. 
And Jesus is not teaching, um, listen, if you see somebody in need, throw out all wisdom and discernment when it comes to, to making a wise decision about who and what to give to. There's a great book, uh, take a picture of the screen, all right? Um, it's on, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's, a, it's a book about giving to missions and nonprofits because there's good ones and there's, there's bad ones. And the name of the book is called When Helping Hurts, all right? And here's kind of the gist of the whole book is this. It's sometimes um, you'll see something and it just like breaks your heart and you go, I want to do something about that. And so out of a really, really good place, um, you give to the wrong place in the wrong way. And while it makes you feel better in the moment, it actually makes it worse. And I'll give you an example of that. I remember one of my first mission trips ever, I went to Jamaica and I, and I was in a really, really impoverished community. And I brought like four pair of shoes with me because I'm an American and that's what we do. And so I'm down there and my heart's really broken over some of these kids. And so I start taking off my shoes to give to this kid down there in Jamaica, all right? Which I think is very Christ-like, all right? And the missionary looks at me and goes, Don't, do, not, do not give him your shoes. I'm like, why not? He goes, because he'll get beat up before he gets home. He won't make it home with those shoes. So I gave the shoes to the missionary who had an entire system about how to get the shoes to that kid. But my, the goodness of my heart would have got that kid just the stuff beat out of him because, hey, give me your shoes. All right, so now file that away. But, but let's be honest. Unless I need to be honest, right? The main reason that, that, that we or I, I um, don't wanna give my shirt to anybody, let alone my money or my time or my attention. I, I'm not thinking, well, it actually might cause more problems. Most of the time, I'm not thinking about that at all. And, and here's the other thing, all right. Um, um, well, I can't give shirts to everybody, so I'm not gonna give shirts to anybody. That really sounds really lame when you say it out loud, right? See, if we want to just cut through all the BS, here's, here's the truth, all right? My truth, right? Most of the time, the reason I don't give anything away is I'm selfish. I'm not speaking for you, I'm speaking for me. And my definition of selfish is, my stuff is mine. My stuff for me, my shirt's for me, right? Uh, I'm, I'm a selfish person and I don't really care about whatever category of people out there who don't have shirts. I, I mean, I'm sure it's a need, I just don't, it's not my need, it's not my, I don't really care I, about their shirtlessness or their, they need money or they need food or they need housing or they need medicine or they need schools, all right? And by the way, I'm an American, I pay taxes. Is that not enough? And you know what? You're right. You're, you're right. So if, that, if that's what you want to do, then just keep doing that, all right? Because I actually believe this statement right here. Um, nobody can or should force you to not be a selfish person. You have the right to be a selfish person, <laughs> right? But, and so if you want to be that, then keep on being that. You'll probably go to heaven anyway because we're saved by grace through faith. But we're trying to be different. We're trying to live different. We're trying to look at what's going on in a person's heart. And we're not talking about the person's heart that needs a shirt. I'm talking about me and my, what's gonna come out of my heart towards others based on how I think about it and how I see what's really going on. Bigger picture, not just what's happening in this moment. So all this is leading to this great moment we're gonna share together, right? But let me ask a few questions and then we'll get to application, all right? And you answer this for yourself, trying to find out what kind of person you wanna be. So what kind of person sees a legitimate need, so it's real, that they could meet? You can't meet all the needs of the world, but you can meet that one, all right? But refuses to help unless they are forced to help. So there's a need, you could, you, you have the ability to meet it. And again, you can't do everything. Hey, I need a house. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I can't, but that, 
I, I could help with that, all right? But you're not gonna do it unless somebody makes you or guilt trips you into it or there's a religious law that threatens hell or something like that. If you don't do that, then, then you might give. What kind of person does that? And are you okay being that person? Then that's between you and God. But let me ask this. What, what kind of person sees a legitimate need that they could meet and does all that they can. You can't do everything, but I can do something to meet the need and more. Okay, I, I can't fix that problem. I could do that. That's the ask. I could actually do a little bit more. What kind of person does that? And do you wanna be that kind of person? Because I do. And the key question you have to look at is, so how do I know if that's a legitimate need? Because everybody has a handout, right? How do you know if it's a legitimate need? And you have to use wisdom and discernment. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. But with God's leading, you'll be able to figure it out. So let me give you some, some questions and some answers that if I were you, I would take a picture of this because for the rest of your life, there's always gonna be somebody in front of you going, can you help me? Can I have something? And you have to make a wise, wise decision. So here's some questions, all right? So who should, who should I help? I'm trying to be a good person, live a good life. So who should I help? And according to Jesus, any person that has a basic human need all right, a basic human need, any person in front of you. Now, here's the thing is, a lot of people are going, I, I, I can't feed the world, so I can't, I'm not gonna feed anybody. That, that just doesn't make it. I can't find any Bible verses or instructions from Jesus where he tells one person to go fix the world. Right, you, take care of poverty, you, third row, right, right? No, no, nobody can fix the world. I find all these stories from Jesus talking about, but there is a neighbor right in front of you. All right, so a neighbor, by definition, is somebody that you know about, that you have access to and influence over. I don't have access to China right now. I'll pray for them. That's all, all I can do, all right? But there's this person in front of me right now who needs a shirt. I can't do something about that, all right? So who should I help? The person in front of you. How about this? What should I do? Well, how about this? All that you can do. You can't do everything, but that's not an excuse to do nothing, all right? I can't fix all of it, but I can do that. All right, so here's a really important one. How about this? How should I do it? And this, this is a big one. This is a really, really important, right? How should I, they're asking me this, how should I do that? And here's the answer. In a way that agrees with the truth that Jesus loves them. So that, that would be a great filter. So they want me to give to that, but, it, but if I give to that, it's very, very possible it's gonna, it's gonna lead them further away from Jesus. It's gonna deepen their addiction. It's gonna you know, increase their, their dysfunction, things like that. And so I'm not gonna fund you're spiraling down. I, I can't do that. That doesn't agree with the love of Jesus. I will fund whatever it takes to move you back towards the life Jesus wanted you to have. Does that make sense? And you, you, you're, again, you're smart people. You know, I, I, that actually is gonna take them further away from what God says is true about them. This, on the other hand, might be a step in the right direction. But here's the, here's the big question. Why? Why should I do it? Why should you help anybody? I mean, it's Christmas. We're stressed out on time and money and there's all these things that we have to do. So why should we help anybody? And here's the answer. Because we're different. Because something's changed. Because, because we say things like this. We took a step into God's kingdom and we're trying to live life every day with God. And because of that, we're actually thinking different and seeing things different. And so we do different stuff. How about this? Because in the kingdom of God, blessed are the merciful. All right, and we're merciful towards other people, not to pay God back, but because when we realize how much mercy that God has given to us, our natural response is, 
It's just changed me, and I want to be merciful to other people. See, Jesus has already taught this, all right? He's taught this. After spending time with Jesus, you become the kind of person who gives away mercy and grace. And this is the whole takeaway. Have I changed? And what's my willingness to give away mercy and grace? And let's, these are key definitions. What do you mean? Mercy, it's, it's like a wrestling term. You got pinned to the mat. Sometimes life pins you to the mat and you're about to tap out. I can't do this anymore. And then you get mercy. They let you off the mat. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. When it comes to God, I do not want what I deserve. Anybody? Yeah, that, that will not work out well for me. All right, so he lets me off the mat instead of giving what, how about this? He gives me grace. I get what I don't deserve. I can never earn that. I can never do something that God would do. He just says, hey, listen, I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. I'm gonna give you something you don't deserve. Mercy and grace. And that changes us. So I wanna introduce you to a, uh, we talk about partners, we have international partners, we have local partners. I wanna introduce you to a new partner that from this moment on is gonna become a part of Flatirons. I, uh, I, I met uh, the leadership, uh, his name's Jake, and you're gonna meet him in this video in a minute, but uh, through a friend of a friend of a friend, and I'm sitting at a, at a, at a hamburger place here in Lafayette, and uh, he starts unpacking this ministry called God Behind Bars, about going into prisons, and as I listened to him talk about this, I thought, who does that? That's flat irons, that, that's us. That's totally us. So I, I wanna introduce you to God Behind Bars, and then I wanna come up here and tell you what it looks like for flat irons to partner with this organization. So take a look at this. Hey, Flatirons, I wanna introduce you to a, a new friend of mine, uh, Jake Bodine. Jake, we're in the middle of a series right now where we're trying to ask that question, like who does that, when it comes to like, you're in a circumstance or something you've always done the same way. Yeah. And then if we could do it better, like who does that? And the answer is always Jesus. But as we get starting to think like Jesus and then maybe see what's really going on more like Jesus, the idea is not that we're trying to be good people, but when you spend time with Jesus, he rubs off on you and he changes you. Yeah. So you begin to like see things different. And when I heard your story about what started you down uh, this whole thing that's become known as God behind bars, that's kind of your story of thinking different and seeing different about a group of people that maybe never thought about before. Talk about that. Yeah, for us, it all began with Matthew 25, and Jesus says it perfect when he talks about clothing naked and uh, visiting the sick, and especially visiting those in prison. I think everyone has their Hollywood view of what an inmate is in their mind, uh, but what we found is that they're just people. They're people like you and I. Uh, most of them want that opportunity uh, to have a second chance, and when given that second chance, take advantage of it uh, and use it and change their lives forever. And so uh, our team goes in and we work with these individuals. About 94% of all inmates will be released back into a community one day. The majority are just great people that made a mistake. Uh, probably that the only difference between them and you and I is that they got caught and we didn't. Uh, oh, so <laughs> uh, to, really there is no um, different about an inmate than there is me or you or anybody else at Flatirons Church. Why do you think the church has kind of ignored um, what, like what Jesus says is when you do that to them, you do it to me. And it's like, we've ignored that whole demographic of people. 
What's your learning in all that? Yeah, I think more than anything is that is the church doesn't know how. The church doesn't know how uh, to visit those in prison. The church doesn't know how uh, necessarily to work with those in prison. And so that's where God Behind Bars comes in. And we kind of have this entire vision, this holistic life transformational process, if you will, that takes an inmate through uh, leading them and connecting them to a church all the way to plugging them in with resources as they reenter a community uh, to where they are able to be successful upon that release. and hopefully Hopefully, never returning to prison. How is how is this? How is God behind bars making a difference? Not just in the inmate or the hero that gets to sit in in, in a in a church service or a Bible study. Yeah. But how is that impacting the families? Yep. Yep. Any stories about that? Or you can... absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, what you were describing is a recidivism rate nationally across the board. About 75% of inmates who are released from prison return to prison within the first three years. And there's about 8.5 million kids in the U.S. that have a parent incarcerated. Wow. And statistics show that about 85% of them will go to prison themselves. And so when our team heard that stat, it was like a punch in the face. It was God saying, hey, we need to do something about this. We can do for a, a lot for those that are already there, but the real impact, the real life change comes from targeting this next generation and ending the cycle of this generational incarceration. And so uh, our team has birthed a event that we do every single year called All is Bright. And uh, ultimately, we start restoring these families back together. I think one of my favorite stories is this lady, Patricia. We knew that she was had two kids that were going to be reunified, both five and three years old. Uh, she hadn't seen her son since he was almost a year and a half old. So really, she doesn't know this little boy. Uh, but what we did not know is that when she was incarcerated, when she committed her crime, she went away to prison. She was pregnant. She had the baby while she was incarcerated. Uh, she basically got to see that baby for about 30 seconds before they whisked the baby away. Uh, and then she ultimately has to recover and then go back to prison. And she showed up to our Always Bride event, uh, never knowing anything about church. In fact, I think she had a very bitter taste in her mouth towards God and towards church. And uh, we got to reunify her with the those kids, uh, her meeting her daughter for the very first time ever, and really meeting her son for the very first time ever, and what that did and what it took place in her life of us getting to be the hands and feet of Jesus and her to witness that from a whole different side of perspective. She ended up uh, committing her life to Christ, attending services on a weekly basis, inviting her family back uh, to the church once they were out, and ultimately starting a whole new family legacy with Christ at the center of it and repairing and restoring that relationship through something as simple as repairing and restoring the relationship of her kids. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I think Flatirons and God Behind Bars are going to be a great partnership. Looking forward. I'm so yeah, excited about it. We are too. And uh, we're going to come out to Vegas here in a couple weeks and yeah. get to see this firsthand. We're happy to have you and thank you so much. And thank you, Flatirons Church, for your generosity and your heart to really reach a people group that has been overlooked and missed for so long. So awesome. Right, thanks. Thank you. All right. You know, there are, uh, I've been here almost 13 years. Um, and I look back over the last 13 years, and there are certain moments where I go, hey, we, we took a step, and from that point on, we were just a different church. Um, I remember I'd been here about a year, year and a half, and we heard that there were some people, some refugees, some uh, displaced people over in Afghanistan, been dumped in the desert. And a message got to us saying, can you help us? And they, all they were asking for was a school, but the real, they, they had to have water or they were gonna die. And so we put a rug on the front. Some of you are here, not very many of you are here. Some, we put a rug on the front of the stage and you piled money up there and we dug a well and then we built a school and then we built a clinic and we built 17 houses for widows and, uh, and orphans in that town uh, because that's the kind of people you are. 
And then a couple of years later, and some of you were here for this too, um, we, we, wanna, we always want to try to figure out who, who does God care about? It doesn't feel like anybody else cares about them, and that's our specialty. And so we, uh, for about three or four years in a row, we threw the, a prom. Remember that? We threw a party uh, for people all over Colorado uh, with, with special needs. And it, this place was a, it was a nightclub in the best way possible. And uh, I got my groove on right here. And, uh, and, 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 and everybody... Uh, it just changed us forever. And I think this is one of those moments, like this weekend, as, as we get introduced to this, uh, this amazing thing. See, as I look through the teachings of Jesus and how many times he uses the metaphor, the comparison, or all through the Bible when you read this, it's like, um, so I was condemned. I was found guilty. Um, I was, uh, how many songs do we sing about my chains are gone? I'm locked up. I'm in darkness. I'm forgotten and then here came Jesus, and he rescued me out of my pit. And I, see, I, here's why I think that this God behind bars is so important. So Jesus said this in Matthew 25. He says, when you feed somebody that have food and give a drink to somebody that have anything to drink, and you visit somebody who is sick, um, it's like you're doing it to me. But there's a category of people that we go like, too messy. And that's, I was in prison, and you visited me. And they said, when, when, when were you in prison, Lord, and we visited you? When you visited the person who's sitting in a box right now going, I've screwed up so much. I've ruined everything. This is my life and it's over. When you went and visited them, that was me. And this might be the closest thing that we'll ever do going, I gotta hang out with Jesus. So let me tell you the plan. I'm gonna tell you the the, the long-range plan, and then um, I'm gonna show you this. Uh, so I miss I'm going to Vegas in two weeks. I'll explain. Uh, uh, it's, it's a good thing. I'll come back to it in a minute. But, so here's what we're gonna do. Um, uh, we're, you know, we are talking about we're gonna plant campuses. You know, our next one's in Brighton. Um, in the first half of 2019, we're gonna plant two campuses inside of prisons here in Colorado, all right? Um, we're already working with the Department of Corrections right now to, to identify what those are. And so after the first of the year, um, uh, God Behind Bars can come out, and I'm gonna need dozens of you to say, I'll do that. I'll do that. I will be on a team that gets in a van and pulls a trailer full of sound equipment and video equipment, and we will drive to a prison, and we will go in, and we'll do flat irons inside inside the walls at two different, and we're looking at men's prisons and women's prisons, and we're not just gonna show up and just do an event. We're gonna be there week after week after week, and then we're gonna do groups inside the prison, and we're gonna be their church. And here's the cool thing about this, all right? It's not just for the, for the, for the inmate or the incarcerated, that God Behind Bars has this way that we'll be able to stream flat irons live into the prison, and no matter where their families are around the world, they'll also be able to watch at the same time that their mom or dad or their husband or wife are watching, and they'll be able to have church together. And then, here's the, this heartbreaking thing, is that most, uh, most people, at least in Colorado, when they get out of prison, the prison gives them 30 bucks and kicks them out the door, and that's why they're back in within three years. But here's, here's what I wanna do. I would just like Flatirons to be outside the gates coming, come on home with us. Because we're their church, right? I want to do that. So much so that if you don't do it, I'm still going to do it. All right? It's that, it's that important. Um, Jake was telling me about uh, that he knows a guy who met his dad for the first time and his grandfather at the same time in the prison yard. It is generational. And 85% of kids who have parents in prison will do time in prison unless somebody says, this has got to stop. 
Well, who's going to do that? Jesus. And then, did you just hear this, the song? I will send out an army. Who is the army? It's us. It's us. Who else is going to do it? All right, the, the number one question asked of Jesus is, why do you go and care about people like that? I want that to be the number one question asked of Flatirons. Why would you go in prisons? Well, who else is going to go? Who else is going to tell that, that mom holding it together because her husband made a stupid mistake or the mom got addicted to something and whatever that is? Who else is going to tell those kids, hey, God still loves you? And this doesn't have to keep, it's us. Who does that? God and Flatirons. We're going we're gonna to do this. It's, so back to the first year, uh, after the first year, uh, they're going to come back and I'm going to need dozens of you to serve on teams to go to this and we're going to make a difference. Wouldn't it be great if 10 years we look back and we go, I, I don't know if we changed the world, but in Colorado, everybody that was involved in one of our campuses in prison, there was a 0% return rate. Well, I, I would like to hang my hat on that and go, man, that's, that's a good thing. I met people last night. I met a... I met a uh, a woman who just retired as the uh, chaplain for a women's correctional ins uh, institution, and she says, I, I came in here asking myself, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? I said, you wanna go to Vegas? And she said, yes, and so she's going with us. Um, hey, let me explain Vegas, all right? Um, so uh, this was all started by a church um, in Vegas called Central Christian Church, amazing church. And then they've been working with Red Rocks, another amazing church here in Denver. And they've been doing this and we're just becoming aware of it. And we've got to be a part of this. And so uh, next week, there's about 10 of us that are flying out to Central Christian Church in, uh, uh, just outside of Vegas. And we're gonna go to the All is Bright event um, where they, here we go again. They roll out a red carpet and, uh, and the inmates get to put on street clothes and they have a shopping mall uh, where they get to pick out presents for their kids. And for one night of the year, their mom or dad's not a felon, they're, they're a hero again. And, and we're, gonna, we're, gonna do, we're gonna do this twice next year, all right? A guy behind bars came in our lobby yes, uh, Friday because I just shot that video Friday. And um, they said, this lobby would be perfect. We can, we can bust all kinds of inmates in here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Because I know you, some of you are going to go, Bob? <laughs> right? You know who you are, uh, and that's good. But uh, so long term, we're going we're, we're gonna to start with two prisons here in Colorado. I'm going to get a bunch of you to help with that. And, uh, but uh, next Christmas, this is what we're going to do. And then I'll tell you what we're going to do this weekend. So take, take a look at this. Get some Kleenex. I warned you. Here we go. Hey, we're at All Is Bright. We are so excited about what is about to go down inside of this room. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. There are gonna be people meeting each other or meeting their kids for the very first time. So we're just praying that God's gonna show up in this room tonight and that he's gonna do things in these families that have never happened before. Tons of people have stepped up and given thousands and thousands of toys across the country this year to be able to bless these children. And we've set up a shopping mall for mom or dad to be able to go and pick gifts for their kids and to be able to share the Christmas spirit with each one of their children. They get to choose five, six gifts each. We have amazing donors that have donated absolutely amazing toys. And our moms and our dads are about to go on a journey and shop for each one of their children, giving them the same joy and spirit of Christmas that the average American child will receive this Christmas.
favorite part of the All is Bright is watching the kids like just light up while they see their mom. I got to see one of my best friends see their kid for the first time since they were five months old. Tears just came down my eyes and it's just getting to see that reunification of families is just amazing. This is Kamaya's first time meeting me and um, she's almost three. And my son and my mom, um, it's a dream come true. This was way more than we had expected and it's a blessing. And I'm just overwhelmed that somebody would take the time out of their day to make this happen for all of us. My mom is a really big part of my life. She's a really special person to me and not seeing her, it's been a lot. It's been really hard and when I saw her, I didn't know what to do. I just ran and <laughs> couldn't stop myself. It's about ladies like Patricia who have never met their daughter before until tonight, Kamaya, who's three years old. When she goes away to prison, she has her while she's incarcerated and then ultimately uh, being reunited with her through this event. And that's thousands of kids across the country. In fact, there are 10 million kids in the U.S. that have a parent incarcerated. And statistics show us that 85% of them will go to prison themselves. And we're asking that the Capital C Church step up, link arms with us, and let's show these kids that all is still bright in every community around the U.S. Yeah. So, so who does that? Who, who wants to do that? Anybody? Anyone do that with me? Awesome. All right. So there's two parts of that that just, just tear me apart. When the lady goes, asks the question, like, the idea that, that someone would take time to do this for us, that's not the world. Who does that? Jesus and the army he sends out. And the other one is when that girl says, so um, I, my mom's important to me. And, and when I saw her, I just, sorry, I just ran to her. I couldn't help it. And there's another, there's a story in the Bible that comes to mind. It's the only place where you see God run. The story of the prodigal son, when the father looks down the road and sees his son. And I bet if we interviewed God, when you turned your face toward him, he, he, this is what he'd say. I, I just saw him and I just saw her and I just couldn't help myself. And I ran to him, you. And so we get to be more like Jesus than ever before when we do this, all right? So here's what we're gonna do. So in January, we're gonna start training and then we, I saw your hands and I memorized your faces, all right? And I, I, we have cameras at all of our campuses capturing that. And so, uh, and so uh, you know, there's gonna, I'm just gonna need hundreds of you, all right, to, to do this, all right? But here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna do all this bright, at least in, at least in two, two uh uh, prisons next year, but here's what we're gonna do today, all right? And I know you're gonna do this, all right? Um, they, they told me that they, they have 5,000 children that they don't have presents for. And I already told them we would do it. <laughs> and, I, I, and here's why, because I know you, all right? Because you already outed yourself. So like up at West, they adopted uh, 212 kids uh, uh, with, with different needs, and, and they were allowed to pick one out of four presents. And West is gonna give all four presents to all 212 kids. That's the kind of people they are. Down in Aurora, you've been giving mattresses uh, to people that don't have beds. Uh, here at Lafayette, you've been uh, giving away turkeys and hundreds of kids off of giving trees. Uh, it, just, it just goes on and on. Up in Loma, uh, you're giving all these supplies to, to kids in the slums of Mexico. It's just, and, and then you outed yourself last Christmas. 
because I had an idea like on Thursday and showed up and said, hey, why don't we buy a whole bunch of cars for single moms? And on the spur of a moment, you gave $430,000 and we bought 70 cars for single moms and we changed their life. And that's, that's the kind of people that we are, all right? And I'm not patting ourselves on the back. I'm saying we're not done yet, are we? All right, meaning this, in all of our lobbies out there, there's a display, and in the middle of that display is a box that has bars on it, and you're gonna fill it up with money. A lot of money, all right? Um, they need like a couple hundred thousand dollars, and we have that in our pockets. If you're eight years old, you have, you have something in your pocket, and if you're going, well, I'm busy and I'm strapped. Listen, if you're, let me say, if you think you're poor, here's a way to teach your kids what is important. We don't have a lot, but we're still gonna not be a selfish person. You wanna teach generosity no matter what state of life you're in. You say, we're gonna give part of it away and it'd be the best, best thing you taught your kids all Christmas. So you're gonna fill up that box and when it gets full, we're gonna empty it out and fill it up again, all right? Um, last night, our attendance was really low last night. I don't know why, but they gave $65,000 last night, all right? And, and so we have like three times as many people across our campuses right now, so that's, that's 205,000, I think. And so we're gonna take care of it at nine o'clock aren't we? All right. Now here's the other thing. All right. And you know, you can go out. So here's your options. Okay. You can go out there and you can put cash in there. You can go out there. You can write a check if people do that still. And uh, you, they, they have a card machine. You can go out there and swipe a card. You can get on the front page of our website and there's a button there. And then you can uh, click that and you can give on, online. Um, you can't. So here's the questions, right? Well, can I just buy, bring toys? No, you can't. We're going to write a check we might have already done it, but uh, we're going to write a check to God Behind Bars, and they're going to go, and they're going to talk to toy companies, and they get a better deal, and then those are delivered right to the prison because you can't take boxes into prison, all right? That's just against the rules, all right? So we're going we're to buy 5,000 kids, like five presents each, okay? We can do this. Why? Because we understand mercy and grace. It's certainly not because we think we're better than them or we think they're worse than us, Right? Other people just like us. All right, here's the other thing. Out there, uh, and if you can't do that, um, uh, you can come back next week. We're gonna do it next week as well. But there are some Christmas cards, and these are correctional uh, approved Christmas cards. We made them, they approved them. And so if you wanna pick this up, you can fill it out right there in your lobby uh, as your family can all like, write messages. Hey, we don't need a story like, oh yeah, one time I was in prison. No, we don't need that, all right? We need stories of like, hey, we're praying for you. You're not forgotten. We're on the way. Can't wait to meet you. Things like that, encouraging things. And here's what I know, because some of us are gonna go visit those prisons one day, and somebody's gonna come up to you and go, save my life. Save my life, all right? And so, uh, so don't, don't do this either. Don't go to, so I'm gonna go to Walgreens, I'm gonna buy my own card, it's better than that. No, they'll throw it in the trash. If this is it. This is it. I don't know why, but this... <laughs> This is it, okay? And so you can do that as a family. You take it home, bring it back next week. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord, he's on the way. It's us, all right? So there's no more music. We're gonna worship God by going and giving shirts, all right? And by that, I mean talking trucks and cool stuff like that, all right? So stand up at all of our campuses. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna worship the Lord. And if you can't do that this week or the, you know, today, then you can do it at home online or you can come back next week. And you know, bring about 50 people with you and go, oh yeah, bring your wallet. All right, and then you know what? And we're gonna take care of a lot of people without apology. This is worth it. So Lord, um, I just wanna say thank you, first of all, for not giving us what we deserve and instead giving us what we don't deserve and that is grace and forgiveness and love and a second chance because 
being locked up and in chains and thinking this is all my life is ever gonna be describes most of us. And then you showed up. And probably the way you showed up is you sent somebody to us. And so we are on the way. So God, prepare a man or woman sitting in a box right now to not give up and to take courage because you're on the way through Flatirons. And we're gonna do our best. Who does that? You do that. And we're gonna do it with you from now on. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.